Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. Great Britain's fair-haired boy, Prime Minister Boris Johnson, announced to the British, to the people of the continent, to Americans, Canadians, Australians, the people of the world, that there is a new coronavirus virus, a new variant, a new mutation. It was detected first in England, and now it is spreading around the globe. And that it may be associated with a higher degree of mortality. Now, as I have commented on before, there have been a variety of strains of coronavirus over this past year that uh, the world, much of it, the free world, has been under lockdown, courtesy of despotic, democratic champions. But Patrick Valance, who is termed as being the chief scientific advisor in England, he stated that given 1,000 men in England 60 years of age or older, that the original virus, <laughs> I'm not sure which one he means by that, but the original virus would kill 10. Just, you know, states that matter-of-factly, 60 years of age, men, the original virus would kill 10, this new mutation would kill 13 or 14. Well, okay, (laughs) if we accept that at face value, not that we should, but if we accept that at face value, then he would be saying that the so-called original virus, that that would kill 1%, right? And that this new and improved variation would kill 1.3 to 1.4%. Well, regarding the original virus, (laughs) it wasn't all that long after that hit the fan that one of the variations, one of the mutations of it, was hailed as actually being the dominant strain around the world. (laughs) So... I'm not sure which one he is referring to as the original virus. But in any case, let's just take that figure, that mortality rate for men 60 years of age and older and apply it to a population. A population the size of, oh, I don't know, how about the United States of America? Population figures, like all statistics, are nebulous and fluid and dynamic, and they shift and they change. And the old saw that figures don't lie, but liars figure holds true, but... Let's go ahead and take that 1%, that conservative 1% mortality rate, in this case pertaining to men 60 years of age or older. And let's apply it to the entire population. Not that we know what the size of the entire population is, because the population in the United States of America variously is referred as being somewhere in the neighborhood of 330 million. But that is not including... Illegal immigrant population, right? 
illegal alien population, undocumented population, so forth. So maybe we should be taking a higher figure like 350 million instead, right? But whatever figure we take, 330 million, 350 million, let's apply that 1% figure to it. Instead of him saying, you know, 1,000 men and that it would kill 10, take 100 men and it would kill one, but it, that wasn't, <laughs> then he'd be saying 1.3 or 1.4 men dying. That's why he took the larger figure. But 1% of the general population, applying it to the entire population, Let's contrast that, and we're talking about a virus that may be in the United States of America, supposedly is circumnavigating the globe, is around and about, and it may be in circulation for who knows how long. Another six months, another year, another ten years, another hundred years. But, again, looking back on the past year, Let's say one year, 1% one year, okay? Let's contrast that with the mortality rate. And that is a, mind you, that is an estimated mortality rate. That is a hypothetical mortality rate. Let's contrast that with an actual, factual historical mortality rate, which also has varied slightly here and there. But let's take a mortality rate of 48 years in the United States of America. Beginning 48 years ago today, January 22nd, 1973, The United States Supreme Court, with one dissenter, created the absolute, unassailable, purportedly constitutional right to legal-induced abortion, to legally murder any and every unborn baby for any reason. Oh, brother, you're just, you know, you're just way off. It wasn't for that. It was for the the mother's health, for the mother's life, for the mother's health. The mother's health, which was held to be anything for her emotional well-being, purportedly. For her economic well-being. For her convenience. And on it goes. For sex selection. (laughs) Unlimited, unassailable right to do wrong, to do monstrous evil, the ultimate evil that can be done in humankind upon humankind. We're not talking about traffic tickets here, all right? Not talking about name-calling. Not talking about preventing employment or preventing education or preventing housing or some other such thing, preventing travel. Preventing attending church services. You know, the kinds of things that the Democrat champions of liberty are forcing upon citizenry in the United States of America and elsewhere. An absolute, utter denial of basic constitutional freedoms. But instead... Destruction of life. 
No, not by lethal injection, which is reserved for the 90 to 100 heinous murderers that are executed annually as compared to the 15,000-plus murderers that are convicted annually. No. But instead, search and seizure in the mother's womb, tearing the babies, heads off, crushing their heads, tearing them limb from limb, poisoning them, burning them, destroying them torturously, monstrously. Courtesy of the United States Supremely Abominable Court. 48 years. So what is that mortality rate? It's approximately one half percent of the population. Approximately one and a half million per year. For 48 years. But there's an interesting difference here. Contrast a virus which is fleeting, which may infect these people as compared to deliberate, premeditated, monstrous, savage murder committed by Medical professionals. Medical professionals who used to be required to swear to do no harm. But, again, today, the 48th anniversary of Roe v. Wade and Doe v. Bolton, which both decisions were delivered on the same day, and Doe v. Bolton underlaid Roe v. Wade. It was a gruesome twosome, but then to what about the victims? Not men 60 years of age and older like those who made up the U.S. Supreme Court. But babies, preborn babies, innocent babies, the only innocent members of society, the only totally, completely innocent, sin-free members of human society. And where were they murdered? In the sanctity of their mother's wombs. And with the pretense that this was in the interest of the girls and women that this evil was done to. But, (laughs) meanwhile, something that comes up every time that a justice, a judge, a lawyer, a barrister, if you will, every time, or governor, or whatever they happen to be, that they go through the confirmation process to become a United States Supreme Court judge, every year since then, since 1973, there has been this Oh, my gosh, it's terrible. Question about, are they going to defend this absolute unassailable right to do the most monstrous evil that can be done on the face of the earth? A couple years ago, couple and a half, whatever it is, probably more than that, actually. Uh, Let me see. Going back summer 2018, Brett Kavanaugh, 
was a Supreme Court nominee. And I don't know, there were, there were rumored speculations about what was he saying in private conversation with various U.S. senators and so forth. But it was put out there in the, in the rumor mill via major media that he purportedly believed that Roe v. Wade and Dovey Bolton were settled law. Settled law, that sounds so distinguished, doesn't it? Settled law, meaning, in this case, institutionalized evil. Unshakable, unassailable, unchangeable, irreversible evil. And he supposedly stated that Supreme Court Chief Justice John Roberts, when he was being confirmed that he had stated that it was settled law. Meaning, again, it could not be questioned, it could not be assailed, it could not be revisited. It was evil on the books to stand the test of time. This most monstrous of wrongs could not be righted. (laughs) Interestingly enough, the... Pew Foundation, Pew Research Center, it came out with its uh, findings about the so-called faith on the Hill in Congress, among the members of the United States Congress. And it claimed that 88% are Christians. That is, they identified as being Christians. Yes, identified as being Christian. Meanwhile, how very, very, very many of them continually, persistently engage in championing evil, in doing evil, and in fact, have pursued a career in politics for that purpose, among others. But, Of course, the United States of America has a new president, Joe Biden, Joseph Biden. Now, I'm not going to give any kind of description, blow by blow or otherwise, of President Biden's inaugural address today. I'm not going to do that today, but I will visit that or at least I intend to, sometime in the very near future. (laughs) Very near. But one theme that this president stressed was unity. Unity. Yes, unity is the path forward. Unity. In unity, we trust. Fascinating, really. Whose unity? (laughs) Joe Biden's unity? The Democrat Party's unity? (laughs) But, again, it's one of those euphemisms that is used. It reminds me of when another high and mighty person used that term, which I have quoted time and time and time and time again, because I happen to think that it is extremely poignant. World Health Organization Director General Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus 
stated the following, quote, As the world passes 5 million recorded cases of COVID-19, we recognize the importance of building national unity and global solidarity. Unity. National unity and global solidarity. Or you could say national and international unity. Another way to view that, a more accurate and disquieting way to view that, is worldwide regime. Now, this coronavirus, COVID-19, whatever strain, whatever variation, whatever variant mutation is the flavor of the week. Whether this came about, this worldwide pandemic, whether it came about through gross ignorance and filthiness, the diametric opposite of sanitariness (laughs) and hygiene and what have you, whether it came about through these things or whether it was deliberately intended remains a question. But regardless how it came to be, how it came to be spread throughout the population in China, in that area of China where it began, and then throughout China and around the world, regardless how that took place, it has served as an exceedingly useful tool for the global planners behind the scenes who have for decades been attempting to bring about the realization of their ends, their objectives of worldwide regime using this tool, that tool, the other tool, none of which have succeeded until this pandemic. Pandemic like no other. Oh, it's just so terrible, so enormous a mortality rate, and so on and so forth. They would have us believe. But global warming, global climate change, a.k.a. global warming, They've done their darndest with that, but they have not succeeded. Population control, zero population growth, negative population growth. (laughs) They've accomplished a lot, but The worldwide war on AIDS. And so many different things that they've manipulated. A war against racism. And against sexism. And all these things which actually promote the very things that they supposedly are warring against. But this coronavirus, COVID-19, has succeeded where everything else has failed heretofore. It has paved the way for 
this coming worldwide regime. Now, this worldwide regime, I don't happen to believe that there will be a worldwide regime because of anything I've seen that's been put out by Hollywood or anything I've heard via the national media. Not even because of what is coming from the new Biden administration, which actually is just the old Obama administration in its third term. That's right. This is not Joe Biden administration term one. This is Barack Hussein Obama administration term three. But I happen to believe and know that worldwide regime is coming, is drawing very near. It is knocking on the door because of the Holy Bible. Oh, brother, that is so non-intellectual. That is so unenlightened. That is so ignorant and backward. But interestingly enough, you remove the Bible, you remove Christianity, and you eliminate Western civilization. But... Boris Johnson, doing well... Living large. I don't know what his personal situation status is at this time because I do not follow such things. But compare that with Joe Biden, the oldest elected, inaugurated president as far as in his first term. But Joe Biden, despite all the whispering, despite all of the rumors, despite everything else, he seems to be doing fairly well in terms of getting by. (laughs) He bided his time, and the third time was a charm. The third time of running for president, because of course... We need to leave out the fact that he was also in the White House as vice president for a couple terms. But 78 years of age, does his age bother me in any way, shape, or form? No. I don't care if a president is young and hale and hearty like Boris Johnson was before he (laughs) was infected with COVID-19 and And uh, presumably, as he is now, hale and hearty and begetting children here, there, and the other. But the fair-haired boy. But whether he is in his 30s, 40s, or whether he's in his hundreds, I don't care. I don't. (laughs) Moses was 120 when he was taken by the Lord. And his (laughs) heir apparent, you could say, Joshua, was more like my age. But we go back in time to Alexander the Great, who died in his early 30s. His mightiest soldiers, who were the mightiest men on the face of the earth. They were in their 70s and 80s when they were eliminated. They were so mighty in their 70s and 80s. When there was the civil war between Alexander's generals for succession. And these mighty silver shields, the most feared men on the earth, they were divided, separated. 
They were divvied up into groups as small as two men or even one man. And then sent out on horrendous missions in horrendous conditions and ambushed and picked off and murdered. And they were in their 70s and 80s. Unlike the vaunted special forces. The highest and mightiest of the special forces, Delta Force and U.S. Navy SEAL Team 6 and the other SEAL teams and GRU Spetsnaz and all of the outstanding special forces around the world using high-tech weaponry. They are not in their 70s and 80s. But these foot soldiers of long ago, they were. They were Joe Biden's age. And they were warring virtually single-handedly against great odds. And again, they were destroyed. But not because of their age, but because of hook and crook. Hook and crook, no, I'm not referring to this presidential election, even though there was plenty of hook and crook engaged in by the left. Surprise. But the left, who have always been the champions of induced abortion. of demonizing preborn babies as being obligate parasites so that they may slaughter them. Before I continue, let me just say this. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done, and whatever is right and true and good in these programs is thanks to God Almighty and His Holy Son, Jesus Christ. Whatever is lacking, erring, deficient, unworthy. That is on me. That is due to me. That is my fault. National unity. International unity. Global solidarity. Oh, it is so high-sounding, isn't it? It is so wonderful. Meanwhile, Joe Biden, no sooner was he inaugurated than immediately his administration team went into overdrive promoting monstrous sodomite agenda. taking steps to undo anything and everything right and good that has been done by the Trump administration with or without Trump to roll it all back and to go forward with the Barack Hussein Obama Agenda. Now, for all I know, Joe Biden, he may be hale and hearty until this nation falls. He may be. And when I say this nation falls, I'm not referring to the kind of thing that the left are talking about. I'm talking about This nation being overthrown from without courtesy of having been mortally wounded from within by the left. But he may be, he may still be going strong at that time, for all I know. 
or he may not be. I happen to imagine that it is more likely that he will actually play more of a VP, VEEP role while his VP, Kamala Harris, is the point of the spear. I I just, (laughs) I picture that being the case, but it matters not to me because it's going to be evil no matter what. What's being pushed by this administration from day one is absolutely, utterly destructive to the United States of America. And absolutely wicked and evil. But unity, in unity we trust. In civility we trust. Yes. But why, why, why would anybody seeking political office in the United States of America, in Canada, in the UK, in Europe, in Australia, New Zealand, anywhere else on the globe, in Latin America, South America, Asia, Why would anybody seek to do evil to their nation? Why? Why would anyone seek to weaken and ruin and destroy their nation? But that's what those of the left always have done. Not just in the United States of America, but throughout the free world, throughout former Christendom. Oh, yes, they are professing Christians. (laughs) Yes. If that will get them votes, if they imagine that will get them votes, that will help get them elected, that will enable them to do the evils they are seeking to do. Worldwide regime. Oh, that's just, that is just ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Well, This matter of the current incumbent administration going forward at breakneck speed to undo any and all good that has been done in the past four years and to continue aggressively with the agenda of the prior administration. It is so much like, so reminiscent of what took place under Vladimir Putin in the Russian Federation when he took the place of his predecessor, who put him in the catbird seat, Boris Yeltsin. But it is so reminiscent of what Adolf Hitler did in Germany after having been put in the catbird seat by the aging predecessor, who was famous, respected, admired, but who enabled, empowered Adolf Hitler to take over, to really take over. 
with his enabling act, which ramped up his powers (laughs) exceedingly and for an indeterminate time. What we've seen in the United States of America and Britain and Canada and Europe with some lesser degree in this place or that place, such as Sweden. But what we have seen has been despotic, tyrannical usurpation of powers that these political leaders do not have any constitutional right to. Here in the United States of America, those who have been the most prominent have all been of the left. Shockingly, the Freedom Party. Yes. And so many of them have been women, the fairer sex. Yes. Engaging in criminalizing good, godly, righteous people for committing egregious, horrible things like attempting to attend church services, Christian church services, or gathering with their family and loved ones at home for the holidays, for Thanksgiving and for Christmas. Terrible, egregious crimes that have been criminalized by one woman governor after another. Not exclusively women governors, but all of the Democrat women governors, and along, of course, with their Democrat brothers in arms. Like Gavin Newsom, Bill de Blasio of California and New York, California and New York City, respectively. Governor Cuomo and the rest. I mean, it has just been... Breathtaking. Breathtaking. And you could say on a pretense, really. National emergency. International emergency. Well, former President Trump got pushed. He allowed himself to get pushed, courtesy of the stupid things he said and what have you. But he allowed himself to get pushed into declaring war on this. War, bringing in war powers, being pushed. He allowed himself to be pushed by Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House, to use war powers. You know, it's like going back to the George W. Bush administration. Do you remember all of the criticism from certain individuals about abuse of this matter of calling everything national security? And rightly so. There was reason for criticism of that, that it was a carte blanche excuse for anything and everything. In the name of national security. Well, the only thing that has changed is this. Two things, actually. One, that actually was motivated originally. (laughs) Not exclusively, but motivated originally by concerns about Islamist terrorism. Terrorist attacks in the United States of America. 
Whereas this, so that (laughs) did have to do with war, total war, being waged against the people in the United States of America, including by some who even would be identified as being Americans, (laughs) even though they were Islamists and what have you. But, and now with this, we have, oh, it's about a pandemic. We have to wage war against it. Whether it happens to be Boris Johnson or Donald Trump, or Joe Biden, or Nancy Pelosi. They have to wage war against this pandemic. And how? What are the weapons of this warfare? Elimination of constitutional freedoms. But Which constitutional freedoms? Hmm. Which are the most important? The left right now is warring against freedom of speech. Now, they have been the stalwart, ultimate champions of freedom of speech when that speech was evil corruptive, corrosive, perverting, destructive to this nation. But freedom of speech against this tyranny and despotism, that is verboten. Cessation of right for people to gather. You could say gather and petition, but to gather and pray. Meanwhile, the leftist governors and others, they have given carte blanche for their people to gather without face masks, without social distancing, for Black Lives Matter gatherings. And all of their others. Again, it's not about that the traditional values were wrong or bad. It's that they weren't their values. They had to usurp that position. Oh, no, we need to include. We need to have toleration and inclusion and everything like that. Except then when they're in power, they exclude And forbid godliness and righteousness. Now, (laughs) this all is just a precursor. It really is. Those who view the current evils because that's what they are. Whether in the United States of America or Europe or UK or elsewhere around the world, those who view these current evils, this tyranny and despotism that is being engaged in in the name of freedom and democracy and protecting people, It is just a precursor. That's all. Nothing more. I thought it was so ironic. The uh, podium that Boris Johnson stands behind for his press conferences, 
that emblazoned on the front of the podium. It is just something else. But it says, stay home. Protect the NHS. Save lives. So the British people need to protect the National Health Service, which Boris praised so lavishly when he recovered. Now the National Health Service is not supposed to be protecting the British people, but the British people are supposed to be protecting the National Health Service. Just. (laughs) And they are supposed to be, the people are supposed to be saving lives. But, again, Britain, Canada, and the USA very soon, of course, under socialism, have rationed health care. The finest health care for the VIPs as compared to the <laughs> great on washing masses. But again, all of this is a precursor, a necessary precursor to what is coming. And what is coming is worldwide regime. And that worldwide regime will not be led by Boris Johnson, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Gavin Newsom, Bill de Blasio, Nancy Pelosi, Angela Merkel, Emmanuel Macron, any of these others. It will not. Instead, it will be led by a couple handfuls, 10 leaders who are not currently leaders, who shall sweep in to save the day, who shall arrive simultaneously like a graduating class. But they will not be the top leader. They will instead submit to another leader who will rise after them and who will take over peaceably, peaceably, coming in with peace, peace, and taking over and destroying this world. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you. 